Planet, planet Earth's a rocket wagon train upon a journey. And what if aliens don't fight an actress named Seth Gurney? We're not a bunch of geeks who live in basements, sleep on futons, but who wouldn't stream our podcast if we're calling it Space Croutons. It's an intergalactic, robot automatic, moon dust sporadic trip around the sun. It's a totally terrific, proven scientific, freaking fantastic phaser set to fun. It's Space Crew Talk. We think. Get your space suit on. It's pink. We're triple cute. On that you can rely. And once you've tossed your salad in your flying saucer, it's valid to add Space Crew Talk for lunch. With Neil Diamond? Lucy in the sky. I love Neil Diamond. Lucy in the sky. No, not Neil Diamond. With Space Croutons. Ahoy, friends. This is your captain, Curdy Clammerwood. And welcome aboard for another episode of Space Croutons. Podcasting from the SS Van Helsing, the landlocked schooner of a mobile studio in the back of an old Appalachian dental examination van, parked in yet another secret location somewhere in the great wide world. As we begin podcast number four, I just want to say thanks to every single one of you who has contacted us with your strange and unexplainable stories up to this point. We couldn't do this without you. It's like my dad used to say, a good story will only get you so far, but a Harley will get you to Sturgis. So take the Harley. (laughs) Well, my dad knew his modes of cool transportation, but I guarantee he never counted on tonight's story, which we'll get to right after a word from our sponsor. Here is Wiley Peyote to tell us about Marigold. She rose up in the place where sunflowers grow. Hands full of pansies and heart full of snow In a snapdragon wagon, her baggage in tow Never does what she's told And they call her Marigold They call her Marigold Her kiss is bought and sold And they call her Marigold What are lilies to you? She'll say with a frown Her tulips red on the vine she climbs down Parade in a wisteria gown that shines morning glory bold, and they call her Marigold. They call her Marigold. The moods run hot and cold, and they call her Marigold. She plants her lies in the sunshine and waters them with your teeth. Then you will hear it through the grapevine True love never blossomed here Well, she sounds a bit seedy, weedy, and a whole lot needy. But now let's focus on another young woman sent our way by investigative reporter Destiny Carpenter. A story we call Query Me This. Querissa Methis 
not her real name, walked to her car carrying two plastic shopping bags and an old dog-eared envelope box filled with six years of her office stuff. The fact that she was able to pack six years' worth of her attachment to her cubicle into two bags and a small box spoke to her contention that her work life and her personal life must always be kept separate. She had just been fired from her position as a field electronic research specialist at the Misinformation Identification and Accountability Mitigation Institute, Miami for short. For six years, her job had been to look into a never-ending multitude of stories that sprang from the mouths of politicians, celebrities, angry activists, and social network idiots in an effort to combat the white lies, stretched truths, fake news, and out-and-out falsehoods that permeate every aspect of our lives to the point where everything we read or hear or see is treated like a piece of fiction, especially if it contradicts something we already believe. She slammed the door of her vintage, meaning old, 95 Honda Civic and clicked her seatbelt. So, she was fired. But was she freaked out? No, she had lasted longer than most of her co-workers. If she had to guess, the average length of employment at her job was somewhere around 2.37 years. <laughs> okay, she didn't have to guess. She actually kept a spreadsheet of start and termination dates for her co-workers, dating back to the day she first drove up to the building with an envelope box holding a small aloe plant, a set of flatware for lunch, and three pads of posty notes shaped like an old console television set from the 50s. <laughs> Still, her supervisor was a stupid idiot, wasn't he? She was just trying to be a good employee, and this is the thanks she got. Quarissa pulled out of the parking lot onto Route 7 and into midday traffic. What had triggered her firing? A typical termination issue in the job was a tendency to build an ever-higher wall of skepticism, each brick fashioned from researching yet another wild, unsupported blame claim, as they called it in-house, used primarily to attack whoever the claimant in question hated at the moment. Sometimes it wasn't the claim that needed researching, but rather a need to figure out where the lie started in order to reveal the motive behind the story. This was the accountability part of the job, and the frustrating thing for truth seekers like Clarissa was how many of the perpetrators knew they were lying, but just didn't care as long as someone believed it, and it made that someone take action that supported their basic beliefs. Marketing 101, old school, and proven to be quite effective. Thanks, Madison Avenue. But a wall of skepticism was not Purvis's problem. Actually, it was more the opposite. Lately, she had begun to ponder, what if some of the things these quacks are saying is true in spite of their ignorance? Sure, they think they're lying, but what if their lie isn't? Even as she thought this, Clarissa could see that this conundrum was clouding her judgment. It drove her to delve deeper than usual into questions like, is the jackalope real? 
She knew that it was created in the 1930s by two brothers who had taken the carcass of a jackrabbit and grafted a pair of antelope horns to its head. But, her brain would say in the early hours of the morning, now, with all the advancements in genetic engineering and experimentation, could someone actually produce a real jackalope? And more brain buzzing, had they? Questions like this would send Clarissa into overdrive, pushing her to go way past the typical research parameters, which of course ate up her time, causing a drop in productivity. When her supervisor called it a concern, what Clarissa heard was, Stop wasting time and stay in your lane! The guy to her left yelled as he honked his horn and sped past her. She corrected her lane creep back to the right and resolved to pay more attention to the task at hand. See, dude? She calls herself dude after the dude, <laughs> the Cohen's Rock, right? Stop letting this stuff distract you. She made it to her apartment without further incident, parking in the shade of the single tree in the complex located at the far end of the lot near the fast food joint. Her unit was in the other end, but the walk in the Southern California sun was better than getting into a hot car later. Come on, Tui. Yes, the aloe plant she named after the flytrap from space in Little Shop of Horrors was still alive and healthy looking in spite of the lack of light in her former cubicle and her habit of forgetting to water it regularly. Let's go see what's in the fridge. She walked through the parking lot with her bags and box as a plane in landing mode cast its shadow across her path for a second, headed for the nearby airport runway. It was dark after the bright sunshine as she entered her apartment, but since she had lived here for three years, she easily navigated to the left into the kitchen and opened the window shade. Now she could put her things down on the small table and grab a diet soda from the fridge. The plastic bags she would unload later, just pens, six spiral notebooks partially filled, and a couple of souvenir magnets brought back by co-workers from their vacations. She made space on the windowsill behind the sink and there, ceremoniously, placed Tui in the late morning light. There you go. Enjoy. She turned and sat at the table, popping the top on her soda and slurping loudly in the silence. She was amazed that she was taking the getting fired thing so well. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe she really was maturing. Or maybe it just hadn't sunk in yet. Another slurp. Hey, dude, I'm thirsty, too. She dropped the can, splashing the floor. She jumped from her chair, looking around for the source of exclamation. But no one else was there. Nor should there be, as Quaressa lived alone. Sheepishly, she pulled her cell phone from her back pocket. Siri, did you say something? I don't have an answer for that. A familiar voice, very different from what she had just heard, responded. No, of, of course you don't. She moved from the kitchen, glancing around the living room. Who said that? How'd you get in here? Dude, come on, give me a drink. It came from behind her, so she swung around again to an empty kitchen. Then her eyes landed on the Bluetooth speaker on the counter next to the toaster. Someone is messing with me, she thought as she grabbed the speaker and then put her face to the window, expecting to discover one of her friends, Brewster or D. White, actually spelled Dwight, but he insisted everybody pronounce it D. White because it's cool, standing outside her unit, somehow Bluetooth punking her with her phone. No one was anywhere in view. What's a dude gotta do to get another dude to give them some water? 
Glancing down, Clarissa for the first time noticed a tiny one-inch stalk shooting out of the center of Tui the Aloe with one small orange blossom which seemed to adjust itself to form a minuscule grin as she heard, hmm, emanating from the plant. She collapsed to the floor, woozy and laughing, her mind like a twig had just snapped. Look, I know you just got fired and all, and I feel for you, I do, but in the name of Helen Keller, please get me some water, shouted the voice from the windowsill. Clarissa shut her eyes and opened them several times, urging reality to reset, start over, let her not be crazy, but the voice wouldn't stop. I like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. I am real into plant food. It kind of tastes like champagne. She inched up the cabinet door, peeking over the edge of the sink at the plant on the windowsill. Yes, it was still there, and yes, it was still running its mouth. It's about time, dude. With all the weird stuff you investigate, I am surprised and just a little bit hurt that it is taking you so long to, I don't know, water me? I mean, the faucet is right there, and I am right here, so how about putting one and one together for some H2O pronto? Not knowing what else to do, Clarissa picked up the plastic tumbler sitting on the counter from breakfast and turned on the tap. Um, do you, uh, do you prefer hot or, um, cold, uh, water, I mean? Was she really talking to a potted plant? I, I mean, well, sure, she talked to Tui all the time at work, but this was the first time she was having a conversation with it, uh, her. The voice sounded feminine, but... Most plants were both female and male, right? I mean, after all, she wanted to be floralytically correct, right? Ooh, now you're talking. Warm, please, but not too hot. I'm already sitting in the sun. Don't want to start sweating because that would not be pretty if you know what I mean. <laughs> was that a chuckle? And then, like someone had just flipped a switch, there was Quaressa, standing in complete silence at the kitchen sink, ready to fill a tumbler under the tap with the sun shining through the window on the day she got fired for basically overanalyzing her assignments, and everything just fell into place. Stress, change, overthinking, anxiety, the perfect ingredients in just the right combination. Come on, dude. Just water your plant like you already knew you were gonna. Why you needed to invent some stupid imaginary chat with it? Never mind. Never mind. Just just water it and then go watch a game show. Her hand trembled slightly. She half filled the tumbler with warmish water. Her decision and hers only. And then, with a deep exhale, she gingerly poured the water into the pot and placed the tumbler back on the counter and turned to exit the kitchen, recentered and ready to chill. Ooh, that sure makes my rootsies feel good. Thanks, dude. Tui, stop talking. You, you can't. You're in my head, so stop. It's sending me over the edge. Clarissa had sprinted back to the windowsill and was now nearly nose to leaf with the increasingly exasperating succulent. Okay, I get it. I can tell you're a little freaked out. Yes, the tiny 
mouth was moving, but really, dude, in the big picture, what is so freaky about this? You are talking to me. Plants can't talk. Well, aren't you an arrogant piece of work? Just who do you think you are that you get to decide who and what can talk and who and what can't? Hmm? Tui, I... And don't call me that. I'm no man-eater. Talk about misogyny. Well, what should I call you then? She blurted this out, half hysterical, half embarrassed for being reprimanded by a... A, a, a what? You can call me by my name, thank you for finally asking. You have a name, don't you? Hello, Quirissa. My name is Vera. Hello, Vera? <laughs> she laughed out loud when she realized. I bet you think that was funny, huh? Don't do that again, dude. Sorry, it's just, what are the odds? Right. I finally decide to talk to you, and my name is what you can't believe. You are one leaky dinghy. There was a pause, just like in any chat, awkward and uncomfortable. So, uh, Vera, can I get you anything? Uh... More, uh, water? Nah, I'm good. But I will be glad when the sun crosses over and I get a little shade. Oh, here. She gently transported Vera from the sill to the table, stepping over the spilled soda pulled on the floor. Ugh, that's better. I got so little sunlight at the office. It's an adjustment. Quarissa pulled off some paper towels and stooped to clean up the puddle before the tiles got too sticky. You, uh, you, uh, remember the office? You mean the place you worked? Yeah, and the episodes of the TV show you used to stream during your lunch at your desk. <laughs> That's Steve Carell. <laughs> He's funny. Quarissa was woozy again. Here she was discussing sitcoms with a... a so, what exactly are you, Vera? She breathed loudly as she stumbled over the words. Finally, an intelligent question. I knew you had it in you. Well, dude, I am your friend. Tossing the wet paper and the soda can in the garbage, she sat at the table. N no, I mean, are you really just a plant? And if so, how is it that you can talk when other plants can't? Are you some kind of lab experiment or mutation? Just a plant? Lab experiment? Mutation? What a load of tubrous! Thinking I am not the same as you, a sentient being. And how do you know if plants can talk or not just because you've never conversed with one before? I have seen plenty of people who should keep their mouths shut. Okay, dude, calm down. Don't get your stems in a knot. This is all still new to me. There was a pause. Then Vera started to laugh, her leaves shaking ever so slightly. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Stems in a knot. I'll have to remember that one. <laughs> okay, so let's stay focused on you. Now, if you can talk, why did you wait until now to say something to me? <laughs> oh, dude, this is not the first time I've talked to you. Huh? For a while now, I have been whispering to you in your cubicle. Whispering what? That jackalopes could now exist. That there could now be alien bodies stored in Area 51. That Millie Vanilli can now really sing. That things that used to be lies could now be true. Quarissa stood up. 
you put those thoughts in my head? Why would you do that? Do you realize that stuff sent my research off track so badly I got fired? I needed you to start thinking differently. Getting you fired was just a perk. A perk? Tui, I, I mean, there, no job means no money coming in, nowhere to live, no food to eat, no gas in the car. What am I supposed to do? The good news is that I have a job for you, and it's way more important than anything you were doing in that dark, stuffy office. I, I, I don't believe this. I, I mean, I believe this. But, dude, a friend does not do this to another friend. I'm sorry, but I need your assistance, and your distrust of unbelievable things was an occupational hazard I had to get you past if you were going to help me. Imagine being distrustful of unbelievable things. <laughs> well, thanks to you, I'm sitting at home unemployed, unstable, and arguing with a friggin' Shia pet. So stop arguing and help me. And relax, I said I have a job for you. And if money makes that much of a difference, then okay, I'll pay you. Clarissa laughed. And just how are you going to do that? You got friends on a cannabis farm? <laughs> After everything you've witnessed since you got home, you need more proof? Fine, here, break off one of my bottom leaves. Dude, no. Relax, I don't feel pain the same way you do. And besides, I'll just grow another one. But what, you're gonna pay me in leaves? Just do it. Are you sure? There is Blossom. Face seemed to nod, clearing her throat and, and then wincing as she took the leaf in her hand. Clarissa held her breath and pulled until the leaf came off with a soft snap. Oh! Vera screamed. Oh! This made Clarissa scream and pull back in horror. And that made Vera laugh uncontrollably. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's not funny. Just open your hand and look at the leaf. Clarissa swallowed and slowly opened her hand, now holding a $50 bill. How did you... I guess money really can grow on trees. Is it real? There's nothing fake about me, dude. All natural, if you know what I mean. But don't go getting any ideas. This only works when I want it to. So play nice. Carefully, Quaressa folded the bill and slipped it into her jeans front pocket. So, what's this job? Vera seemed to straighten up to her full height, tiny as it was. You and me are gonna save the world. I have to say, I'm all for saving the world, and in the most vegan way, too. Hey, Quirissa, if you and Vera are listening, reach out to us. We need you on our team. And thanks again to Destiny Carpenter for bringing this story to our attention. Okay, then, that's episode four of Space Croutons. If you like what you're hearing, let us know. Let your friends know. Heck, let the world know. And remember, if you have a story to tell, strange and unusual, we want to hear it. Thanks again for listening, and keep peace in your heart until our next story time. And once you've tossed your salad in your flying saucer, it's ballad to add space croutons for lunching with Lucy in the sky. With Neil Diamond. Lucy in the sky. I love Neil Diamond. Lucy in the sky. No, not Neil Diamond. With Space Crew Talk. 
Space Croutons is a work of original fiction. Similarities to persons, situations, or events, real or fictional, is coincidental and unintentional. Created and written by Jerry, Jace, John, Della, and Jeff Goodson. Episode 4 story by Jeff. Recording by Patsy Puckett and Jeff. Original music and production by Jeff. Featuring the voice talents of Patsy Puckett and Jeff. Entire work copyright 2020 by Jeff, John, Jerry, Della, and Jace Goodson. This has been a Good Witch audio production.